Welcome to TTM Cast One on One with Jeff Baker. Every Wednesday, we'll bring one on one interviews with hobby professionals, former athletes, authors, and collectors. Sponsored by Certified Sports Guarantee. Go to csgcards.com for sports card grading for the win. And by sportscollectorsdaily.com. If it happens in the hobby, you'll find it on sportscollectorsdaily.com. And sponsored by gemrate.com. The latest grading statistic from the four major grading companies is just a click away. Visit gemrate.com. It's free. And now, here's our host, Jeff Baker. Hello, everybody, and welcome to TTM Cast 101. It is Wednesday, March 29th. Drew, I can't believe March is over. This blew right through there. Wow, it's crazy. What a fast month. My name is Jeff Baker. I am your host of the program. I'm talking to you from, you know what? I'm in sunny Florida today for one more day. So uh, we're going to talk a little about my Florida trip and that that great voice on the other end of, uh, of the dial you just heard about, heard from. That's Drew Pelto. Drew Pelto is from Dallas, Texas. He is at DFW Graffer on YouTube. Make sure you follow him on YouTube. He is also on Twitter. He has a great YouTube channel. I think he just posted something, right? Yeah, I just put up a video yesterday of all my stuff from last week, uh, complaining about trying to, about how terrible that hotel outing was with the Penguins and uh, showing off my GGMs. <laughs> so, yeah. I thought so. I haven't had a chance to, to read it yet. I won't listen to it yet. Watch it yet. Whatever whatever you do on YouTube, you know, I'm a, I'm a yeah. whatever those kids are doing on YouTube. <laughs> all of the above in that case there's 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 stuff to see stuff to hear probably i there's probably a word or two printed on the screen there so yeah yeah i'm sure really. <laughs> so make sure you follow drew he is on youtube at dfw graffer he's also on twitter he posts all the time he's a great follow so make sure you follow him we got a, a great show this week I, I i talked to this gentleman uh maybe two weeks ago now don edwards he played goalie for the buffalo sabers and the calgary flames uh, in the NHL, he was a two-time All-Star, and uh, we talked to Don about playing in the NHL, being a goalie, and uh, some of his thoughts of, of being a goalie and successes in Buffalo. We also talked to him about signing autographs for the Millie. He's a pretty good signer, TTM. So that is coming up. But first, Drew, what do we have? Leading off, it is hobby happenings. Hobby happenings, zing, 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 zing. Let's get the show started. Leading off, we look at hobby happenings. Smart collectors turn to Sports Collectors Daily to stay up to date. From new releases to incredible collections hitting the auction block, news from inside the business of sports collectibles, and much more, Sports Collectors Daily has it, all with no subscription cost. SC Daily also delivers a live look at the most watched sports card auctions on eBay for every sport. Sign up to get the headlines in your email for free or just visit the website whenever you like. With 16,000 stories in the archive going back 16 years, there's always plenty to read at sportscollectorsdaily.com. Like Mako, nice. It's good. <laughs> well, I am in Florida. It is so nice out. We, I went to. Uh, we'll talk about this in a second. But last night I went to the Naples All Star Events uh, Legends of Basketball event. It was their um, fourth fourth time they've had the event. Uh, fourth year they've had it. This is the third time I've uh, attended, and we had four Hall of Famers in the house. I had Kevin McHale. From the Boston Celtics, Bob Dandridge. She played for Milwaukee and the uh, Bullets, the Washington Bullets. Also, Dave Bing, who played his most of his career with the Pistons, but he also played with the Washington Bullets as well. And he played with the Boston Celtics his last two years. And he uh, I got an interesting story about him. 
And lastly, we had Rick Barry, who played everywhere, right? He he was yeah. everywhere, but primarily with Golden State and the Nets, and he played with with uh, Houston Rockets, right? He played with a, a few teams, and boy, boy, he's a, a great guy. It was actually his birthday today, so happy birthday, Rick! Hopefully, you're you're listening. <laughs> Uh, but it was really cool. I got a, an autographed basketball by the four guys. That was one of the things that they gave out. I got uh, two cards signed by Kevin, and I got a Sports Illustrated signed by Kevin. I got uh, an autograph uh, Sports Illustrated by Rick Barry that he signed for me. And I also got a card. Uh, I think it was a 72 Tops card uh, that he signed for me. I also got uh, four or five Dave Bing cards, including his rookie card from some guy in, for, for some guy in Dallas. Hey, all right. So that's coming coming your way, my friend. Nice. And I got I think I got four or five Bob Dandridge cards, including um two 76 tops cards, and I got a 76 tops card by Dave Bing. So the guys are really great. They all sh- uh, shared and swapped stories uh, about their time in the in the game. And then they had a, a panel, which was kind of cool. And one of one of the things Dave Bing said that was really neat. He Dave Bing was the only guy on the, the panel that had never won in a, a championship. And he said his biggest regret was two. He regretted getting traded from uh, leaving Washington and going to Boston because if he stayed one more year, he would have won a championship with Washington. Oh, yeah. And then when he came to Boston, he regretted retiring one year too early because if he stayed on one more year, he would have been with Larry Bird and uh, the Celtics and he would have won a championship with the Celtics. So it was kind of a neat Bob Dandridge. Bobby Dandridge was awesome. Great guy, great, great guy, um, gave all, all sorts of stories, was very open about uh, going to Washington and uh, playing with with two guys that didn't get along at all, Elvin Hayes, and I forget who the who was, who was the other big guy. That oh, geez, Craig. I can't remember now off the top of my head. Wes Unsold, right? Wes Unsold. Unsold, okay, yeah. So they did not get along at all. So it, he, he kind of told stories about that. And he also told about stories playing with Oscar Robinson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in Milwaukee and winning a championship there. Uh, and Kevin McHale told about stories of uh, giving giving the clothesline to um, Kurt Rambis and oh, yeah. playing with Larry Bird and Red Auer, you know, playing uh, for Red Auer back in uh, all this, the time in Boston. So it was a really fun event. And uh, they do it every year and looking forward to uh, next year. I think next year they're actually going to do a football event. And one of the guys is going to be a Cleveland Brown. So I don't know who it is going to be yet, Drew, but when we find out, I'll let you know. Nice. I'm thinking Cleveland Browns has either got to be Jim Brown or Leroy Kelly. I would think would be the the, the two most likely. He's got a Buffalo Bill, a Cleveland Brown, a Pittsburgh Steeler so far. But he won't won't tell me who they are. So (laughs) interesting. Yeah, so that's definitely. coming up. And then today, my wife surprised me. She goes, she go, we had the, we didn't really have anything planned for today on Tuesday, and she said, uh, "Come on, I'm taking you to the Red Sox game." Like, really? Yes. You want to go to a Red Sox game? So we went up to to Fort Myers to to go watch the Red Sox and Braves. And the first two or three innings, they had all their their regulars in, but they mm-hmm. they pulled them pretty quickly. I'm sure they didn't want them to get hurt before before the uh, the season started, right? And Tristan Casas yep. hit a home run and. Um, it was just, it was, it was fun. The, the weather was beautiful. I, uh, I did not autograph at all. I think I only saw one guy signing, uh, out of both teams. No one was really, no one was really signing, but it, it was fun to sit in the sun and, and have some ballpark food and, and watch the game. And, uh, we left in the seventh inning so we can hear and record our show. Drew, I'm, de- I'm dedicated. I'm dedicated. Yeah, exactly. You know? I actually watched a part of it. I had uh, got the uh, MLB TV uh, subscription re-upped for another year. And so 
had that one on for a bit, got the Guardians and Diamondbacks on right now. So oh, nice. That's a little bit of it there. Yeah. Very nice. Speaking of MLB, you went to the Royals and Rangers game yesterday in Dallas, and I know you did a little graphing. Yeah, they uh it seems like it's about every year the Rangers play their final two spring training games at home in Arlington. And so a few years ago, I saw the Mets play against them here. And this year was the Royals coming in. And I figure, you know what? I'm sitting here at th that ballpark sucks for graphing, but if I don't try to go, I'm never going to get them done. I mean, I, I could, if I just sit here at home, they're definitely never going to get signed. So I figure, all right, we'll go take my stuff down see what I can get. And besides being a, a preseason game, the crowd really wasn't big at all. There are a few graphers out there, maybe about 20 of us total across uh, the entire area there. But yeah, did pretty well. Um, Call out to Bobby Witt to start things out. And then he said, yeah, after I do, after I, uh, you know, take fielding, then yeah, I'll come in and do it. So like, all right, cool. So the pitchers were hanging out in the outfield doing their throwing out there. And, uh, so they came back in and uh, Brady Singer stopped by and uh, a couple of guys asked him, hey, would you mind signing? He said, yeah, give me a second here. Dropped off his stuff in the dugout and came back out and signed for everyone. Uh, well, that was nice. What, yeah, real good about it. One per person, but uh, knocked out one of my set needs. Just have a one more left on him. Um, true to his word, Bobby Witt came over right after that, signed uh, one per again for everybody down there as well. It's It was kind of tough. I had to you know, rely on people in front of me to pass my book down there, but they were super great about it. They get theirs done and start passing everybody else's down. So I was able to get a uh, Witt on one that way as well. He's another one per signer, but hey, I will gladly take that out of him. And uh, just hanging around there for a while after that, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. signed for a couple people, but uh, didn't stick around for long for it. I wasn't able he, to get him. He might as well sign as long as he's in the major leagues, Drew. <laughs> he's, yeah, exactly. he's not long for this world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a non-roster invitee right now with Kansas City, so I don't know, know if he's going to be sticking with them after this, uh, these two games. He's here, supposed but... to be a really, really nice guy. Yeah, I have heard that at least. So, But yeah, I missed out on him, but uh, Amir Garrett, pitcher, came over, former uh, – former Reds pitchers with the Royals now pitches out of the bullpen for them. And he said, Hey, I'm just signed for kids only. So I, so, you know, all of us, uh, adult collectors backed off, but the kids got him. And then the kids are like, Hey, pass me your book, pass me your book. I'm like, okay, fine. I guess if, if you're offering, go ahead, I'll pass it on down. So I got Amir Garrett on there. I'm, I'm, I'm not proud of that, but I'm also not going to refuse <laughs> help either. So yeah, I got those three to sign. Um, but yeah, the big four that I was keying in on were, uh, the first two there was singer and wit bradley and salvador perez and i got two out of the big four that i was keying in on so pretty happy with that grinky didn't even look at us perez was like oh hey gotta go in guys so he didn't do it but hey i got two out of the big four there so i'm super happy with that and yeah knocked out three set needs right there who'd you go would you go by yourself did you take jen or yeah i just went by myself uh jen she's not big on going to a lot of games typically and if she does she's like i'm gonna go grab my seat you go have your fun getting the graphs and everything and, you know, Aubrey's a huge Royals fan, but she's uh, just got back from St. Louis yesterday visiting family, so she wasn't around for it all. But I did send her to say, hey, that's what I was able to get there. And we're talking about probably trying to all go to the game on my birthday coming up in April. They're, uh, they've got a uh, – Frisco is playing at home against, I think, Arkansas. And I know Aaron's already playing and coming down for it. She said, hey, yeah, you're going to go to this one? I'm like, well, it's my birthday, so possibly. And – Jen and Aubrey are both like, uh, yeah, we're 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 all going. I think to this thing, so we'll probably go and hit that one up all as a as a group. Awesome, you're the man. You're the man. Yep. That was that that was a good in person. It made that made up for the horrible hotel Pittsburgh Penguin fiasco of, of last week. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's uh, yeah. I've it's just. I mean, like I said with the with the Royals, there's like, well, if I don't try, they're never gonna get signed. The same thing with the Penguins. There, if I don't try, they're never gonna get signed. But yeah, I would have had just as much luck. Uh, flying to Kathmandu and yodeling across the hilltops through a hailstorm as I would have just, you know, going to that hotel, but eh, it worked out.
How you doing so far on TTM returns? You got any returns this week yet? Uh, yeah, I got a few this week in. Um, trying to think off the top. I actually just got one in today and uh, one yesterday. So I got uh, Tim McIntosh yesterday, former catcher for the Brewers back in the early 90s. And Patrick Hornquist, who is a forward for the Florida Panthers right now, he used to play with the Penguins and the uh, Predators. Been great about uh, catching his mail midseason there, so I got him. Very cool. Yeah, I've got a couple at home. When I when I get back, and we'll do we'll run down all our TTM returns on Saturday on TTM Cast. Yep. So make sure you guys tune in for that. Drew, should we do it? Should we really do it? Yeah, we might as well. I mean, if it, it at least gives people an idea of what not to do. So that's yeah, right. Okay, we're talking about picking games, guys. With Drew and I could be the worst prognosticators. 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 I'll get it right. It's a new it's a new language for me, you know? Yeah, of course. Prognosticators. We're the worst prognosticators out there, but we have final four. We have we have butchered our grids. We've killed our grids, but we're down to the final four. So we figured we'd we'd make our picks on the final four because they're gonna be uh, the first games will be done by the time we do our our podcast. So we'll we'll do um We'll do uh, final four, and then we'll pick we'll pick the final two. Okay, Drew, do you want to do the, right. you want to do the final two on Saturday? Or you want to just do it today? Let's do it. Just let's just do it all today. We'll knock it all out right now and okay. rip the bandaid off here. All right, these are two two teams that I don't doubt ever plays played them each other, right? Yeah, and no they reason. shouldn't be playing. There's no re- there's no reason why they're playing each other, but they they made it to the final four. We're talking about Florida Atlantic and San Diego. University of San Diego. And I don't think I've ever seen either of these two, two teams play until this last week. <laughs> I can honestly say I never, I don't think I've ever seen either of these two teams play. So I'm I'm totally clueless. Now, Drew, you want to make a pick on this one? No, but I will anyway. Um, let's see here. I I'm I oh God, I as much as I'd love to see like a an all Southern Florida matchup just to see the rest of the country go. What the hell is that? I've got to take San Diego in this one. I think I'm going to go San Diego over Florida Atlantic. I, that's the way, that was the direction I was leaning as well. But you know what? I'll take I'll take Florida Atlantic just so we have some bragging rights. So at least we know one right. one of us will get it right. 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 Exactly. Yep. All right. Then we got UConn, the only New England team left against Miami. Two former Big East teams, right? Wasn't yeah. Miami was in the Big East? So I, I believe so. Yeah. So they they have some history. Um, UConn uh, is probably the last good team left in terms of universities that that have power, you know, have some basketball pedigree. UConn, I think I saw they won. They've won all their their last like eight or nine games by fifteen points or more. Wow. They they are really a, a, on a run. Miami uh, has they're a scrappy team. I've seen them play a couple times this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I really think I'm gonna. I think Utah UConn is gonna be. Um, a little too much for, for Miami. What do you think? Yep. That's exactly what I was thinking too, is, I mean, just, I mean, Miami's going to be tough, but I don't see them pulling it out. UConn has just been looking too good down the stretch. I agree. So what are we giving UConn the championship? Yeah. UConn, I think is going to go all the way. Okay. So we got UConn as the championship. So guys put all your money on Miami. Cause that's what, that, that, that's what, that's what, we're, that's what we're telling you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. We got opening day Thursday this week, Thursday, and I thought it'd be cool just for Drew, Drew and I to pick our World Series teams, maybe our Final Four teams. And uh, one, I'll I'll take it. I'll take the American League. You take the National League, and then we'll mm-hmm. we'll pick a we'll pick a winner. How, how about right. that? Yeah, that'll work. All right. So why don't you do? Why don't you take pick the two teams you think are going to make the National League uh, Finals, and who's going to who's going to get into the World Series? 
It's going to be tough. I mean, that entire National League East just seems so tough to guess. I mean, you had the Phillies had their great year last year. The Mets are the Mets. I mean, they're always going to look good on paper and then probably fall apart. But I don't know. I mean, I like, I'm going to say the Mets are going to win the East. And I think they could actually make a decent run if everyone stays healthy, which is a big if. I mean, they got to overcome, you know, have, not having their closer anymore now. So, yeah, that's easy to replace, though, I think. But so I'm going to take the Mets as one of the teams out of the National League. I mean, th- with my luck, they're going to finish fourth now. But um, out of the West, I got to say, I mean, the Dodgers are obviously the consistently trendy pick. The Padres are right up there as well. I'm going to take the Padres in this case. I think they dethrone the Dodgers. I'm going to take the Padres over the Mets in the NLCS. Pod, the Padres over the Mets in the NL, in the NLC. Okay, yes. good one. I, you know what the one the one team that you didn't mention that that I actually saw play today the Braves and boy they have a great lineup. I don't know oh, if yeah. they're going to have enough pitching, but um, I for me I think the Braves are the dark horse. You know I yeah I, I like I like trying to pick a, a team that may or may not win. You know the Braves won it two years ago, but they're good. All right, American League. I'm gonna I'm gonna I was looking at your Indians. Or Guardians, I'm sorry, they're not the Guardians <laughs> anymore. The Guardians, but I don't think they're going to have enough to to win it. I think um, the White Sox are going to come out of the Central. I think they're going to. I think they're going to beat the Twins. I don't think the Guardians. It's the Guardians' year this year. I don't think anyone in the West is going to do anything. I don't. I'm not really worried about Houston. The A's are not good, uh, and then I just don't think there's enough out there out west. Seattle, I don't think there's enough out west. Uh, in the East, I like uh, Toronto. I think Toronto is going to win the East. I think they they will beat the Yankees and the Rays might get in as a play as a uh, playoff team wild card. And I don't think the Red Sox have any shot in hell. And Baltimore, I think, is about two years away. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to go with the White Sox over against the Toronto Blue Jays, and I think it's Toronto's year. I think Toronto's oh. going to go in for the finals. So if we have a Toronto San Diego World Series, who do you like? I'm going to stick with San Diego. I mean, they just have done so much to try to compile that team, put together a absolute world beater. And I think I just, I just, I think they'll be able to pull it off. Okay. So no, San Diego will not win the, the, the NCAA, but they will win the world series. Right. Yep. We'll go with that. You know, I think it might you... be Toronto's year. Yeah, I, it could. You know, I think, I think San Diego, San Diego's a little cursed. The yeah. Padres are a little cursed. Don't you think they always yeah. seem to have something go wrong. Yep. And so uh, I'm going to say Toronto is going to win it, but we will, we're looking forward to opening day. I have my fantasy baseball draft on the 2nd, April 2nd. So I'll maybe we'll give a, I'll give a little uh, review of my fantasy baseball uh, draft next Wednesday. And uh, I'm really excited about opening day. How about you? Yeah, I definitely am. Uh, did you have to see Sports Illustrated's predictions at all? I did not. Oh my God. I sports illustrated has just completely lost all credibility in my mind now, as far as I'm concerned, because, okay, well, they have the Yankees winning the world series, which I mean, okay, fine. That's, you know, that's a safe pick any year. So, I mean, whatever, go ahead and pick that. But they have the uh, Rangers, Bruce Bochy winning manager of the year. They have Jacob deGrom winning the Cy Young award and the Rangers missing the playoffs with all that. There is no way <laughs> that the Rangers have Bruce Bochy get manager of the year and miss the playoffs. Cause I mean, come on, they missed the playoffs with what's his name, Chris Woodward or whoever it was as manager. They're not going to, I mean, if, if they end up with another third place finish or fourth place finish or anything like that, that's going to be the most disappointing thing ever to happen, especially after bringing somebody like Bruce Bochy as manager. So sports illustrated, you are insane. I don't know who wrote that thing, but my God fire them now. 
Talk about a cursed franchise. I think the Rangers oh, yeah. are kind of cursed, don't you? Yeah, I mean, well, they've just, I mean, oh, God, they oh, just, uh, they, they there's don't a reason the why race. I'm not a rain. There's a reason why I live a mile from the stadium and I'm not a fan of the team. I love seeing them fall on their face repeatedly because this organization thinks that they should be on par with the Yankees, the Cubs, the Red Sox, like that. And they're not even a poor man's Astros at this point. So the more they fall on their face, the more I sit here with a smug grin on my face <laughs> about it. So, yeah. All right, but well, you know what? I want to thank you, and I want to welcome a new listener. You know, we have, we have so many listeners, and we we really appreciate all our our listeners. But this gentleman sent us an email, and we love to get your emails. So if you want to send us an email, a comment, a feedback, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us to, uh, email to ttmcast at yahoo.com. Well, I got an email from uh, Keith from Vintage Card Creator. He's on YouTube, Vintage Card Creator. I'm going to I'm going to check out his YouTube channel and we're going to follow him. Keith is uh, a brand new listener. He's come to our, uh, the program. And, and I only mention this because, of course, he calls out Drew Pelto's article in Sports Collectors Daily and says, I read Drew's article in Sports Collectors Daily and I listened to your show and I just love Drew. Awesome. So Drew, so <laughs> Drew, Drew's cousin Keith. <laughs> well, welcome to the show, Keith. Thank you. We love having you as a listener. Thank you for the email. Keith is brand, he's been kind of brand new to TTM. He's been collecting for a while, but he started uh, TTM in the 1973 top set, which is, is a great one. He said he, he sent out uh, TTM requests to basically all the living players that signed. So we'll, we're going to, we're going to follow Keith and maybe we'll have him on his collector's corner, but check out Keith's YouTube channel. It's vintage card creator. I'm, follow it. I'm going to follow it. Make sure you, you follow it. Keith, welcome to the show. Drew, uh, appreciates you, you reading his article and being a true Pelto fan. See, Drew, you have, you have fans everywhere. Apparently so. All right. I'm, I'm down with this. I like it. <laughs> I'm going to have to raise, raise your, your rate, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Keith, thank you. Welcome to the show. And speaking of show, there's two great shows coming up this weekend. So we just want to remind you, don't forget if you're, you're heading to it, let us know. Yeah, we've got the uh, big uh, Chantilly show that happens every year down in uh, Virginia near uh, Washington, D.C. Uh, it's going to be on March 31st through April 2nd. So, yeah, coming up this weekend, Devontae Adams and Jamar Chase both going to be there in terms of uh, big name current football players. A couple football Hall of Famers that are signing as well, John Hanna and Marshall Falk, both on hand. If you want to get more information on that show, go to csashows.com. And the big show in Las Vegas this weekend at the MGM Grand in Las Vegas. It's March 30th to April 2nd. Of course, we're talking about the Mint Collective. The Mint Collective is a great industry hobby show in terms of a lot of people will be there. A lot of uh, new releases in terms from, from announcements from companies. I know our friends at CSG have pulling all the stops and doing a lot of stuff in their booth. So uh, it's the mintcollective.com. It is this weekend, March 30th to April 2nd. Uh, if you, you go ahead to either shows, uh, send us an email. Let us know how, how it was. Let me let us know uh, you know what you purchased. Let, let us know uh, all the cool stuff you found at these shows. We love to hear from uh, all our listeners and, and our listeners going to the shows. We also have some new releases to talk about. Yeah, I got a little hockey hitting the shelves here on April 5th. Upper Deck Series 2 Hockey will be coming out. It's card numbers 251 to 450 of the base set. You get six Young Guns cards per hobby box. So if you're a rookie chaser, there's your stuff right there. You also get a four UD canvas cards and two UD portrait rookie cards all in there. So make sure you check that out. It's uh, about a week away. 
Nini Obsidian Football came out the other day. It's 2022. You get one pack of seven cards, four autos or memorabilia. Those are going for about $415. That's 2022 Panini Obsidian Football. Make sure you check that out. Got some uh, soccer coming out from Panini as well. The Prism Premier League soccer set is uh, hitting the shelves. $270 price tag on a hobby box. There are 12 packs of 12 cards in there and one autograph. Very cool. Also, uh, this is a kind of a pre-order. I've never seen this before. You can go to tops.com and you can pre-order the 2023 Tops Bowman, which is coming out very soon. Yeah, blaster boxes are going to go for $30. Hobby boxes are about $250. Uh, there is a checklist. You can check that out. Uh, just go to tops.com and you can pre-order your uh, your 2023 Tops Bone, which is pretty cool. Have you seen that before, Drew? I haven't yet. No, I've seen, uh, this is the first time I've seen a pre-order on, I think. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. So check that out. Um, speaking of ordering, Drew and I have been a little active on eBay and we thought we'd share some of our re recent eBay purchases. I purchased a um, rookie, Larry Fitzgerald, a PSA 8 rookie card graded PSA 8 and I got it for under $10. I think it was like 8.99 I paid for it. That would include nice. and that included shipping. Wow. So like I, I couldn't pass that up. I also picked up a 1973 Tops um not Tops Kellogg's uh the you know the 2D card not cuz they don't have they, that was the one year that they didn't do 3Ds. Okay. So I got a, a 73 uh Kellogg's Carlton Fisk card um and I picked I think I paid $3 for it like 2.95. And that would include shipping as well. And lastly, I just picked up a Zach Granke Tops rookie card, 2004, I believe, Tops. Um, okay. he, he he shares it with somebody else who's playing with Kansas City. And I got that for under $6. So I've uh, uh, been looking for some some bargains on eBay and, and finding them. And I think I got three three pretty cool cards. And I know you made a pay, uh, pick up on eBay as well. eBay as well. Yeah, I got one here that I got, and I'm just uh, got a couple bids on a couple other other items and uh, keep an eye out on some for some other things. But big one that I got was, uh, so anyone out there who listens to the show a lot or is checking my website knows that I am a huge fan of Corey Snyder, former outfielder of the Cleveland Indians. You are the, uh, second to his mother, but that's another Probably, story. yeah. I am, <laughs> I mean, I have the largest collection of his stuff on uh, trading card database. I do know of at least one other super collector of his stuff out there, and I've actually got a few oddballs from him over the years, but uh I was just, I always have a few uh, searches on eBay that are saved that automatically send me stuff uh, anytime something new gets put up. And one of them is for Corey Snyder buybacks. Cause I'm always looking for, you know, like the, uh, what were those, those tops ones that they did a few years ago where they stamped yep. the thing on the side there. So I'm always looking for those and upper deck has done some leaf has done some. Well, I'd had uh, I think it was 2000. Yes. 2012 leaf put out a, a, did a buyback of all their 1990 cards. And so they did a silver variation number to 20, a gold variation number to five, and a red one of one, which I'm guessing that soup, that other super collector probably has that red one of one if I had to take a guess. But I do have one of the silver ones I picked up a few years ago. And this time, one of the gold ones came up. And so I was able to snag that. And not only one, just one of the gold ones, but the, you can see that there, Jeff, that is the numbered one of five. Nice. Very cool. So the numbered one of it there. So able to grab that. I think it was like less than $10 total, including shipping and, uh, it's now the lowest numbered Corey Snyder card that I have. So uh, I don't think there's anything below that except for a few one of ones out there. So I got to track all those down in that case. Very but, uh, cool. That, I'm at least on the one so of happy to get that one. Yeah. I mean, I'm now up to 252 different Snyder uh, card like items. Basically, anything, anything say about like eight by 10 or smaller, I'm counting among all that. So I'm not counting like my jerseys and stuff, but yep. yeah, 252 now. Very cool. Well, guys, yeah, I'm. Um, 
I'm sure you've heard if you're listening to the show that I'm uh, doing some work and helping out the Bob Feller Act of Valor Award. They have, um, they're making a set, a baseball card set, 39 cards of all the people that had played played in Major League Baseball and um, were uh, involved in the military and have distinguished on both the military front and on the uh, baseball field. And they're going to be printing a set of 39 baseball cards. And they're looking just to know how many sets they should print up. So I'm imploring you to just go to actofvaloraward.org. That's actofvaloraward.org. It's not that it doesn't cost anything. Just go click on it and hit pre-order. And all it, it does is ask you for your name, your email address, and your phone number it's that you're interested in buying a set. You don't have to put any money out right now. There's not there's no commitment. You're not committing to buy anything. They just want to know how many sets that they should print. It helps out our podcast to let people know uh, that you're listening to our podcast and helps out the Bob Filler Act of Valor Award. So check it out, activevaloraward.org. Please, I'm imploring you, just please do me a favor. Just go and pre-order a set so that they know how many sets they uh, want. And then, you know, they'll contact you when it's in. And if you don't want to buy it or you don't want to make a donation to the, the award foundation, you don't have to. It's just uh, we, we like to get an idea of how many that they should print out. And I think it's, it's great for the our podcast and and for the uh, Bob Feller Active Valor Award. So please make sure you check, make sure you do that in the next uh, week or so. It's Act of Valor Award, ActofValorAward.org. Make please uh, pre-order the baseball card set for me. I really appreciate that. Sure, we have some weekly grading numbers. We do. Yeah, I've got uh, two uh, two companies up, two companies down here over the previous week. PSA, one of the ones that's down, a 7% drop in their grading, 273,100 cards, though, still going through their uh, their facilities there. CSG also down a bit, a 21% drop to 20,100 cards. SGC up a little bit, a 3% increase for them, 25,900 cards getting graded by them over the previous week, and Beckett up 16%, 12,800 cards going through their uh, facilities there in Dallas. Very good. Thanks, Drew. Hey, Hobby Daily News, which is a new site. It's it's a new site that, that is going to have all sorts of different content on it, uh, hobby related content. And there's going to be a link for uh, there's a link for our podcast on there as well. Well, they're going to be having their official launch on April 1st. So Hobby Daily News, check it out. Bookmark it. HobbyDailyNews.com. They have in their launch, uh, official launch on April 1st. And we'll have somebody from this, the site on in the, in the next week or two to talk about what they've been doing. But uh, it's kind of a, a new new site. There's all sorts of, going to be all sorts of new content. And it's all uh, hobby related. So make sure you check that out, hobbydailynews.com. Well, Drew, I think that wraps up Hobby Happenings. There's a lot to talk about. And uh, so, you know, two days of, of news and, and just kept going and going, you know? Yes. I mean, it's amazing how much this comes out that quickly. Yeah, well, uh, here's time for our interview, which is why we we have our Wednesday show, TTMcast 101, which you are listening to. Uh, I had the pleasure of interviewing Don Edwards. Don Edwards was a uh, all-star goalie, played a two-time all-star goalie. I think his first two second team for two years in, in the late 70s, early 80s with the Buffalo Sabres. He also played with the uh, Calgary Flames, and uh, he actually teamed with uh, Reggie Lumlin. So I think this is the first time that we had both two, uh, both both goalies from a, from one team on because we had Reggie Lumlin on a little while ago. Now we had his his partner. 
Don Edwards. So please enjoy my interview with Don Edwards. He talks about playing in the NHL, signing autographs, and a lot more. Uh, so please may enjoy my interview with Don Edwards, a former goalie, NHL goalie. This week's interview is brought to you by Certified Sports Guarantee, csgcards.com for superior sports card certification and grading. Collecting trading cards can be expensive, but grading doesn't have to be. You can now grade your cards for as low as $12 a card with CSG. Get your sports cards in the industry's best and clearest holders. CSG also offers amazing customer service, fast turnaround times, and accurate, consistent grading. Plus, get access to the CSG registry and compete against other collectors for the best collections. Go to csgcards.com to start protecting your personal collection today. Save $10 off a yearly membership to CSG with code TTMCAST. Get your favorite cards into the industry's best holder for even less. Save $10 off your membership with code TTMCAST at csgcards.com. We have a very special guest today. We're joined by Don Edwards. Don Edwards played 10 seasons in the National Hockey League as a goalie for the Buffalo Sabres, Calgary Flames, and the Toronto Maple Leafs. He went over 200 games during his career from 1976 to 1986. He's a member of the Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame. And we're going to talk to Don about being a goalie in the NHL and collecting and signing cards. So welcome, Don. Hello, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled to talk to you, Don. You know what? I, I first have to ask: uh, at five eight, you're 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 such such a, a small sight stature for goalies, especially guys nowadays. Um, do you think your your lack of height hindered you, or was a uh, something you had to overcome to become an NHL goalie? Well, Jeff, I was actually five nine and a half, so I don't work. I'm five nine as well so I'm right there with you yeah so um anyways no I think you know the the air of the small goaltender is you know gone by the wayside unfortunately I know um, these John, it, Don, uh, Don, these guys are monsters the guy from Tampa Bay is huge these guys are just big guys yeah there are big guys uh personally uh, Jeff I don't like the way in which you know, um, they play today. I think later in life, they're going to have some huge hip and knee uh, problems. Um, the first thing they do is everything they do is they go to their knees. You very see, seldom see a goaltender standing on his feet and playing the angles anymore. It's, you know, that that day and age is gone, unfortunately. But I, I do feel sorry for these guys because they're going to find out, you know, in their mid 30s, as they start to age into their 40s, that you know, their, their hips and knees are going to be replaced. And I find that sad that the teaching today is all based on that. It's great that they're big and it's great that they, you know, they got a huge stature and things like that. But I remember back in my era, you know, the guy that stood on his feet that taught me that I watched because when I was in Hershey was Bernie Perron. And Bernie was taught by the great Jock Plant. They play, you know, Bernie played the angles like, you know, the, the best in the league back then. And I was able to watch him, and I had a great coach in Hershey by the name of Chuck Chocolate Hamilton. And Chuck always used to drill him. The first day I got to um, to Hershey from being sent there from the Buffalo Sabres was that, kid, if you want to play in the NHL, you got to get on your feet. And uh, you know, every day he worked with me, and, and within a very short period of time, I started to follow a lot of the principles that Bernie was being taught by Plant, um, and you know, we gave up 
four inches on the on the um, long slide side, short and six inches on the other side. So it was a, you know, the angles we were taught. I mean, our movements were very solid, and um, you know, I had great hands, and so it wasn't a situation of me being out of position. I studied the angles very hard, and uh, it probably was the the one thing that got me to the NHL because at my size. Um, speed wasn't everything. I had to make sure that my positioning was absolutely perfect. Coming out of the juniors, you got drafted by the uh, Sabres in the NHL and the San Diego Mariners in the WHA. Were you, did, was there ever thought for you to go to the WHA or you always? Never, never. I was, I was offered a contract. I think Jerry Cheevers was also drafted there, but ended up going to Cleveland. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if I went, you know, decided to sign with San Diego, that I was not going to play. Um, it was going to be a situation that simply that I was a backup, you know, being 18 years old. Um, and it just wasn't for me. It was not my dream. Um, it probably would have ended my career, you know, far earlier than it ever was. I probably would never have gotten the chance to play in the National Hockey League with a few games behind me. And um, I made the right decision. It was a, a very easy decision. And uh, I was lucky enough to um you know work with chuck who spent a lot of time with me although he was the head coach he spent a lot of time with me most days we were on the ice you know practice was always an hour and a half and he would always spend an extra half hour to 45 minutes with me um and some of the other players of course just uh you know working on all the things that were going to get us to that next level I noticed that you caught with your left hand. Is it different for a goalie uh, or an advantage for a goalie catch being a left-handed catcher or a right-handed catcher? It doesn't really matter. I don't think so. I, you know, some of the great goaltenders have played in the league. Uh, my uncle Roy, who played with uh, Pittsburgh and Detroit, was a left-hander. Um, Roger Crozier, Grant Fuhr. I mean, there was a number. It was just a matter. I mean, you know, you just turn yourself around and you you, you catch with your right hand instead of your left. I mean. Um, you know, uh, it's all, it, it was all about positioning and, uh, you know, I followed my uncle closely. Um, he was lucky to play in the league for a number of years and was a very good goaltender and, uh, and Roger. And, you know, I certainly played against Grant. So, you know, there was a number of good left-handed goaltenders that, that played, um, the predominant catching hand is left, but at the same time, those guys that catch with the right hand, which we call the lefties. Um, you know, they're just as good as the guys that, that catch the other way. Yeah, I always wondered because in football, that you know, Bill Belichick always seems to want a left-handed uh, hitting punter, you know, kicking punter, and left-handed hitters have advantage sometimes. I just didn't – I'm wondering as a goalie if it was advantage one way or the other. No, not at all. Cool. Um, you, you had a real um, – Interesting first game, really interesting circumstances around your first game. Can you tell us a little about that and how you got into the game? Well, it was interesting, Jeff. I, you know, was in Hershey at the time. I come off a, a week where I played, you know, at that time for about 16 weeks leading before I went to Buffalo, I was playing every game. Um, it was, it was, you know, a situation where I was getting great experience in the minors. And uh, I just happened that week, I played Wednesday at home. Friday on the road, Saturday at home, Sunday on the road. And we were coming back from either, I believe it was either Springfield or New Haven when Chuck Hamilton came to me on the bus and said, hey, kid, you're going to Buffalo tomorrow morning. How old were you then? Well, I was 21 okay. and um, just turned 21. And it was sort of a, a awakening for me because at the time, you know, Buffalo had at that time, they had seven goaltenders under contract. 
And, uh, you know, they had, um, they had the Jardin and they had Bromley, they had Jerry uh, um, um, Smith, they had uh, Al Smith, they had Roger was still under contract, although he had, wasn't playing anymore. They, they had drafted my uncle in the interleague draft. They had Bob Solvay, who they drafted first round. And I knew Bobby was waiting to get his chance back in Buffalo. But, you know, it was an interesting time because um, when I got the notification I was going, you know, I was tired. You know, you play three games, three nights with all that travel in the American League. And it wasn't like we're flying airplanes. We're busing five, six hours. So I arrived in Buffalo um, at about 11 o'clock, 1130 in the morning. And uh, so it was interesting enough that, you know, I went to the hotel. We were staying at the old Statler Hilton, which is now no longer a hotel. Um, and uh, I went to the game that night and um, was sitting beside Al in the dressing room and and I thought he was going to play. Now he was replacing Jerry Dark, the Jardin, who had taken a puck to the face through the eye um, when he, they played the Bruins. So um, I was there in, a, in my in my own mind to back up Al. Yep. So we went out for warmups, and and Al took very few shots. I mean, he might have been in the net two to three minutes at most. And uh, I took most of the shots uh, for you know in the skate around. Al took in the main focus of the of the of the warm-up but you know he, he just got in there for when the guys were sh shooting out directly on him it wasn't like it was in a circle uh shoot or something like that I and I took some more shots at the end of the, the warm-up and uh, went in the dressing room and never thinking I was going to play and it was about two or three minutes before we went on the ice because we had a, a, a rundown clock that would run down from like 12 minutes or 15 minutes leading into warmups. And I knew at that point that we were sort of getting close to getting on the ice. So I reached over and I said to Al and I tapped him on the pad and I said, Al, you know, play well, you know, and uh, I'm wishing, you know, I sort of like, I'm wishing him all the best to play. He didn't say anything. And I, and I sort of took that while, you know, he was just sort of concentrating on getting out there and getting at it because he hadn't played in a while either. And um, so then I, just before we were, we, were, we were to go on the ice, um, I reached over and said, Al, good luck tonight. And he never responded for a minute. And then he looked at me and he said, kid, you don't know. And I said, no, what? And he said, you don't know you're playing tonight? I said, no. <laughs> oh, no. And so I, it took me back because I thought Al was a bit of a prankster as well. And, you know, he had a great attitude. But when he said that to me, his face was drawn. And I could tell that he was, you know, upset. And uh, I didn't have any idea. And so um, one of the, the equipment guys came in the dressing room, yelled, let's go, guys. Al's just sat there. And so I, I knew at that point that he must not be kidding because the coaches never told me I was playing. You know, Floyd Smith was the head Did coach. Did that ever happen to you in your career? Is that is never that strange? No, I knew I was, you know, you knew when you were playing. Yeah. But Floyd never said anything to me. And I it was just sort of funny. So I stood up, grabbed my mask and gloves grabbed a stick and out we went and team follow me. Um, and uh, Al came out on the ice, you know, and he went straight to the, the player's bench. Uh, Joe Byron sang the national anthem and Al hopped off the bench and skated the center ice and saluted back at, at Seymour and Nordy Knox, who were the two primary owners and skated off the ice. And that was it. So I started, I played that night and I was, the only goaltender the Buffalo Sabres had. How'd you do? We beat, we won the game and uh, it was against Minnesota and I still remember it well. 
and uh, you know, got through that. And then we played Chicago, I believe, on the Wednesday night, and I shut them out. And my my career was on its way. Did you save anything from your first game? Did you get a puck or, or save your shirt or anything from your first game? Jeff, I honestly, I've got a lot of memorabilia. I'm sure maybe I've got a puck or something like that, but that wasn't the important thing. I was just happy to get my chance in the NHL, you know, just despite being tired because you, when you play four games back to back, I mean, really five and six nights, which I did, I was a tired camper. And so um, anyways, you know, the game worked out, the team won. The odd thing about it, you know, I think I gave up three goals in the game, but I went back to the arena. Um, I showed back up at the Buffalo Auditorium at 7.30 in the morning, hoping that I could catch some video and watch the, some of the things I'd done wrong. But the trainers didn't show up until 8.30 for our 10.30 or 11 o'clock practice. And uh, so anyways, when uh, I watched a little bit of that, went on the ice for practice on Tuesday, and then we played again Wednesday night. As as a goalie, did you prefer uh, playing, you know, three or four or five games in a row, or did you did you mind being the the backup, quote unquote, and only playing once or twice a a, a week? Well, I think as as a backup, you're you know, if you're you might play once a week or once every two weeks. It's not a situation that you're you know playing. They're only playing three to four games a week now. Is it like a hitter where you you have it's hard to you know? get your timing and, and get used to game speed as a game as, as a backup goaltender you you know your mind always has to be in, in prep mode that you're you're going to get the opportunity you know because at any time you can be called but my first couple of years in the league I played almost every night I mean there wasn't too many nights I had off I think you know I played 25 of the last 26 games that year plus all the playoff games and then uh, the following year, I believe I paid, played 74 of the 80. Um, so uh, I think I played 92 games that year. So that was, a, you know, I was doing the Tony Espo, Esposito workload. Yep. And, um, you know, that was just the mindset that I was in. I wanted to play. You know, I wanted the game. And um, if you start thinking like a backup, you're going to be a backup. I mean, you had great success with Buffalo. I think you won over 150 games with the Sabres. Um, did, was their play style more conducive to defense and, and goalie in your style um, than as opposed to Calgary and later Toronto? I think the, 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 the tactics of the team changed when Scotty and Roger Nielsen came in. We became a little bit more defensive oriented, um, but early on for the first two to three years, no, we, we were a high-flying offensive team. No, I know. And um, the, our advantage was that we had an arena about the same size as the Boston Gardens. It was small. There was a few of them in the, in the, in the league back then. But, you know, the play in the auditorium, it was a very interesting building plan as a home team. I felt very comfortable in, the, in, in that facility. And uh, I liked all of the, the characteristics of it as far as the angles. I love the atmosphere and I thrived in that building. You know, when I got traded in 83, uh, it was a sad day in, in my life and in our family's life because we love Buffalo. And, uh, you know, when I retired, we moved back there because we had so many great friends. But I, the people of Buffalo are great sports fans. I mean, they, you know, with good teams, they support the Sabres, they support the, the Bills. And, uh, you know, they're diehard sports fans. I mean, there's a reason why they call them the Buffalo Mafia. 
<laughs> did the uh, size of the rink affect your timing at all? Did you have was it different playing in a on a larger rink than than uh, Boston or Buffalo? No, it was just a matter of readjusting yourself in the morning skate. I would work on, you know, we went in to play the big arenas like Montreal back then, or you know, Minnesota or Philadelphia or whatever. It was just a matter of gardens in New York. It was just a matter of reestablishing your sight lines and working off your angles off little spots on the walls or, you know, the blue line, you know, the, you know, the marks on the wall or a bench or, or pillars, you know, posts would be holes of glass. It was just little things. And, you know, when you're a professional, you, you adapt pretty quickly. And, you know, so um, it wasn't a big thing, but I certainly felt very much at home in Buffalo. Did you have any um, guys that kind of owned you or you owned them that, that you you know oh we're playing the the Blackhawks tonight I'm gonna we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna kill them because I always do well or maybe the Canadians something the Canadians you have a tough time going with is there anyone that that you you uh, that gave you difficulty I can't recall any Jeff I mean I was always focused on the puck I I you know yeah they always say oh a guy has a certain pattern well some guys maybe you know have certain tendencies but for me. I wasn't focused on a pattern of any cer certain player. Yes, you know, some guys shot the puck more than others, but you know, every guy that can play in the National Hockey League has a good shot. And, you know, some guys, you know, were just had little different tendencies. And like Gary Dornhofer back then, would, you know, was the guy that would pester me in the crease or Paul Holmgren or, you know, some of the guys would, you know, try and establish a position in front of the net. So I had my tactics to sort of, you know, get them out of there and, you know, whether they got to stick up between the legs or, uh, you know, stick across the ankles or in the back of the knees, you know, you create, you know, it was important to protect my turf and that crease was my turf. Sure. Do you have a fa favorite game or favorite moment on the ice that, that, that you, uh, you really kind of harken back to? Oh, well, I think a couple, I mean, there's many special moments. I, I can think of two, especially in the old Montreal forum. I mean, my first game in Montreal, we shot them out six, nothing. And uh, that was the year I think the Canadians only lost eight games. And then I look at, you know, the game, I, the, the semifinal game, I, I played against the Soviet red army, yep. um, you know, in the Canada cup um, in 81, you know, and we beat them in that game as well. I can also remember many other nights, you know, games in Buffalo or games that, you know, Punch Imlac would walk in the dressing room and say, kid, you got to win this one tonight. And, you know, Toronto was always a little hot spot for him. So I always felt good the nights that we beat Toronto in Toronto, you know, or just, you know, hard games of going into Philadelphia. I think Gene Hart told me once that I was the only goaltender in NHL history in the, since the, the Flyers have been in the league that I shut them out back to back in, in, um, in the spectrum. So, and Gene would always, Gene was a great guy. I mean, a great sense of humor and a tremendous broadcaster. But he always, if something, spec, something you know, odd or remarkable happened in the old spectrum, he would always write, take a black Sharpie, and he'd write on the back of the visiting room's, uh, visiting dressing room door about the feet that night. So it was always, you know, when he told me that, that one time, yeah. I can always remember that. But there's a lot of great memories I have, you know, playing with so many great players. And, you know, being honored to play with the Sabres and the Flames and, and the Leafs, playing with Team Canada, playing in those all-star games. I mean, there's so many great members, you know, opening Joe Lewis Arena, um, and it was and it was the last 40s, uh, last, 40 hours last all-star game. 
you've already sat beside me in the dressing room to receiving the, the home team jersey at the All-Star game in Washington and finding out at the luncheon that John Ziegler had given Ronald Reagan the same home team jersey with Reagan won and I had it, Edwards won. That jersey sits in my home now and I had it signed by President Reagan when I worked for the LA Kings. So it's, um, it's you know, so many great things. I could go back and recall so many things in my, in my um, lifetime that, in my career that uh, were special, but those are just a few. You and Bob Sove won the uh, Vezina Trophy. What did they? What did they give you? Something special for that? Did they? And how did you share it? Did you take it out on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and he takes it on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday? We never. We ne While we may have won it, we were never given the trophy. Uh, no. What did we they received the a miniature. We never. We received a miniature trophy, but those trophies are not like the Stanley Cup, where you share. You know, every player will share yeah. a couple of days with the the hardware of the individual trophies are are never. Uh, something that are very seldom that are given out maybe maybe you know the mvp um the trophy or something like that for the playoffs but the other trophies yeah, I, that... I always remember as a kid they um from boston they used to have a picture of bob you with about 20 different trophies he won that year in 70 or 72 and i always think wow we look at all those big trophies he had yeah well if you always remember they were either at the awards or maybe given to him in the dress room after game but there wasn't a situation where those guys were taking those trophies and, you know, um, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't the spirit of the game. The spirit of the game was trying to win the cup. You, you mentioned you have a lot of memorabilia from your playing days. What are some of the cool things you have? Do you have all-star uh, jerseys? You still have all-star I've, I've, I've got personal sweaters. I've got my all-star jerseys. I've got, you know, some other sticks, you know, I've just some things in general that I've kept. I kept my Vezina equipment. Uh, the year I won the Vesna, I've got that, um, you know, just some things in general that I think are, you know, of, 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 you know, some value to me as far as my, my background and, and yep. whatever else may be in my career in the National Hockey League. Were you a card collector as a kid? Did you collect uh, hockey cards or baseball cards or anything? I can't recall that I really was a, a big collector per se. Um, my dad was, uh, you know, early in his life. Uh, with the old beehive uh, corn syrup they used to have used to send a label away and they used to send you a picture of an NHL player in the old when the original six were going mm -hmm. my dad did that back in the, the 40s and um, you know unfortunately when he got married and, and, and my to my mother and the, those 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 cards were well they weren't cards they were big pictures they were I think they were five by eight pictures back then or eight by tens or eight by eleven pictures they used to send them but um my grandmother um you know had accidentally burnt them she thought they're garbage in their basement one year i think that's uh, why they're all worth something nowadays because every uh, mother every mother everybody's mother throw them away or or, or toss yeah. them or yeah but i'm personally i'm not a collector of that things i you know I, i'll sign some stuff you know as long as it's respectable that people aren't sending me too much stuff if they if they send me you know things of you know, 15, 20, 25, 30 items. I don't send it because of that. Yeah, point I was going to ask you, you get, do you get a lot of requests through the mail? Um, a few, uh, you know, I, I, I get some, I don't encourage it. Um, I get enough mail, other personal mail, but you know, I, you know, somebody comes up to me and they've got a whole bunch of cards. I, I'll sign a couple, but I don't, I'm not signing a bunch because at that point they're selling. Are you surprised people still want your autograph after all these years? Uh, yes and no. Um, I think, you know, um, Fans of the NHL are fans of the NHL, and you know, 
you know, a lot of them are, 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 are individuals who had a dream to maybe play in the NHL, but never got that far and, and, or didn't, or did they have the talent? So I think they admire an NHL player for who they are, the accomplishments they've made and, and, and given to back to the game. So I think it's a, it's a combination of both, but, you know, I do the odd card show. I'm, I try and select where they are and what I'm doing yep. and, you know, what, you know, and I'm not certainly doing it for free. So, um, do you make it back to Buffalo at all? I was just there. I was back there in January. And do you watch today's game in terms of the, the style of today's game, as opposed to when you were playing? Um, and you know, it's a very, it's a much faster game now than back in the seventies. Would you agree? Well, it, I think it is faster, but I think it's for a number of reasons, Jeff. And some, sometimes people, um, look at the game and sort of saying, well, you know, they were, you know, they weren't as good or they didn't have as much talent. Well, I disagree with that entirely. The, the equipment today is so much lighter. Oh yeah. Skate, you know, skates that used to weigh three, four pounds are now they, they're lucky if they, you know, they don't even weigh a pound today. Yeah. The fiberglass so light. sticks and right. The equipment is so much lighter. Goaltenders pads, you know, used to be about seven pounds a piece. And when you got them wet during a game, they'd probably go to eight to nine pounds. Um, you know, today's goal, Center's equipment, maybe each pad weighs a pound at most because um, of all the foam, the ballistic foam in them. Things have just changed. I mean, you know, the, the training methods are better. You know, they've got dietitians and, you know, full-time, you know, athletic therapists and, and uh, you know, strength and conditioning coaches and you name it, they've got it. I mean, the whole team surrounded. We're back in our day. You know, you had a trainer, you had an equipment equipment uh, person, you know, you had doctors that oversaw injuries to the team, but not the, 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 the depth that it is today. I mean, these guys are 24-7, they're monitored today. Where back then, we had a lot of great players, don't get me wrong. And if they were, were playing today, they'd be just as good as these guys today. Nobody's going to tell me anything different. You, you led up uh, Wayne Gretzky's 77th goal in 1982. Um, mm -hmm. What made him such a, a great player? What, why was he such a, a special player? Well, Wayne had tremendous talent. I mean, he understood the game and he, you know, he, uh, he knew the game and, and how to, how to uh, play to the best of his abilities. I mean, Wayne was smart. Um, he, you know, was a great puck handler and was, you know, was, was crafty around the net. He had great players on playing with him and Yuri Curry and, and Glenn Anderson. I mean, people often forget on the people he actually played with too. Oh, I mean, he those had two guys fantastic both teammates. Them, you know, and then, you know, on the blue line, they had Paul Coffey and Charlie Huddy. And, you know, the list goes on and on of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. So um, in Edmonton, Wayne had a whole slew of people. I mean, you know, and often uh, Glenn Sather would throw Messier out with him, you know, just to give Gretz double time on the ice. So there was many things that, you know, Edmonton had a great team. And then when Wayne went to LA, you know, Yuri Curry certainly followed him shortly thereafter. And, and they surrounded him with some very good people in LA as well. I had the good fortune to, to, um, uh, to play with Wayne in the 81 Canada cup, played yep. against him many times as with Calgary and, and Buffalo and, and Toronto. But, you know, and I, you know, uh, get to know Wayne and Wayne came from, a, you know, the town of Brantford and I was my hometown really where I played my minor hockey was the town, town of Caledonia, Ontario, which is about eight miles away. 
So I watched the, you know, heard about the young man's youth um, and how good he was playing in Brantford and then going on to play in Toronto and then with the Sault uh, Ste. Marie uh, Greyhounds. But, you know, Wayne was a great talent and very smart. Did you um, mold your career style after anybody? Did any, I know you mentioned Bernie Perrant, but was he? Did you mold your your playing style after anybody? I think I learned a lot from you know from Bernie, but at the same time, I think I learned a lot from my uncle. I learned a lot from Glenn Hall. Glenn Hall was my goalie coach in in, in Calgary, and a wonderful individual. I mean, Glenn is the salt of the earth. He's a, just a wonderful individual, and. Uh, I think, you know, growing up, you, you watch, you monitor, you, you know, in my heart and, and soul was set on being an NHL goaltender from a very young age. So um, getting that opportunity, um, you, you sort of, you know, as you adapt in life and you get older, you get smarter and wiser and you learn to do things a little more efficiently. And that's what I did. We're speaking with Don Edwards. Don Edwards played 10 seasons in the NHL as a goal. He played for the Buffalo Sabres, the Calgary Flames, and the Toronto Maple Leafs from 1976 to 1986. He won over 200 games. I think 208 is the number, right, Don? 208 games. He had 16 shutouts, which is incredible. He had 40 consecutive 21 seasons uh, playing with the Sabres. He is a... Uh, member of the Greater Buffalo Sports Hall of Fame. We're talking to him a little about his career and about um, signing autographs. Don, I always ask this to former athletes. Did you ever uh, go into like a grocery store or pharmacy and buy a couple packs of cards trying to get your own card? No. No. No, no. <laughs> I can't. I just don't fathom that. No, I, I no, I, I didn't. I never did that, Jeff. That, that wasn't my, my, my thing. I mean, I was, you know, I received enough, uh, you know, pictures of publicity from the team, you know, yeah. or things like that, you know, that wasn't my, that wasn't my motto. And I, you know, maybe in my youth, I might've went and bought some cards to see if I could find a picture, or a card of Glenn Hall or Bobby Hall or my uncle or whoever, but I wasn't, I wasn't what I would call a, uh, a card collector per se. I think we collected some cards when my son was young, we collected some cards for him, yeah. which we still have. And, you know, I have some, you know, some, some keeper cards for myself that people have given me over the years. I think I have all the collection. Do you but, have a favorite card, a favorite tops card or a favorite OPG card? No, like I, I, you know, I, I think one of the rarest cards is probably my rookie card. You know, people didn't realize when I went to Buffalo that I wore the, the you know, Terry Sawchuck. It was a mask made by Lefty Wilson. I wore that for the first year I was in Buffalo up until the point where I switched to the screen later in the year. Um, you know, I, I was probably the, I believe I was the first goaltender to wear the screen mask. Um, after Jerry was hurt, I started wearing it about two weeks later in practice. And I still remember the first night I wore it in Pittsburgh, uh, Floyd Smith, who was the coach at the time, didn't want me to wear it because he was just concerned that it was going to affect my vision. So, you know, being focused and doing what I did, I went out, we beat them. And it was two nights later in Toronto that I got, you know, I got hit with a, uh, a um, one-time slap shot by Landon McDonald right between the eyes. And I'm convinced if I didn't have that mask on, I probably would have lost one of my eyes at that point. Wow. Did, I mean, you've seen the guys that played without a mask. You were kind of at the tail end of uh, their career when you just started. Is it, does it, is it amazed to you that someone would even try playing without a mask? Um, yeah, but I also think the mask was so primitive, Jeff, that, you know, even the ones that, you know, were, were being worn. I mean, you, you took the, the lefty Wilson mask. I wore it was paper thin. 
Um, you know, it might have four or five sheets of fiberglass to it and then with big eye holes, you know, so the masks back then were not very, you know, I can't say they were very well made. They certainly, you know, stop you from getting cut a few times, but I even got cut with it, you know, three or four times. And, you know, I often looked at my friend, Jerry Cheevers. Um, yeah, I was going to mention him because he had that thin mask that was. Yeah, uh, he had the thin mask and Frosty Forstall would, you know, after a game, if Jerry got hit in the, in the face, he would take a magic marker, black Sharpie and put what they believe were going to be stitches. I mean, when you go back and look at the old pictures of, of Terry Sawchuk, you know, I think it was a Canadian magazine and seeing how many stitches he had in his face. I mean, it was incredible, but these guys have played, they were brave individuals back then with the original six, there was only one goaltender because quite often the backup goaltender was the trainer. So, um, it was a different air. Um, I marveled at the mall, and uh, but uh, you know that wasn't my my air. So I can only I can only um, think of how the, the nights they went through when when the and they started going the hook sticks when Hall and Makita started going those two inch two and a half inch hook sticks and those pucks would you know what people didn't realize is that coming off a hook stick is the puck will will raise and drop. It's like a curveball. You know, yeah. and, and and people didn't realize that, you know, I remember, you know, one night, you know, Bobby let go a shot on me, and, you know, he was later in his career, but this thing dropped about a foot and a half and it wasn't the velocity of shot, it just the way in which it was angled and coming off the stick. And they started bringing the curves back, you know, a half inch and, you know, that stopped it. But even then the puck would, a puck, a puck would move and people don't realize, you know, the, the, you know, some of these guys perfected the art, that art. Of, uh, you know, it's like throwing a, a knuckleball or a curveball or, you know, whatever. They, you know, these guys were good. Did you prefer um, taking stopping a shot from the point or uh, kind of an in-close, tight shot? Did you, or you didn't really care? It was a shot. It was a shot. <laughs> you were fighting that shot and whatever it was, you were, you were stopping it. Well, it was my responsibility. That was my job. I mean, yep. you know. You know, All right, so. thank Don Edwards. Thank you very much for your time. It was a pleasure talking goalie in, in NHL and learning a little about your career, learning about uh, signing autographs and, and, and some of the things that you collected. It was it was uh, nice to meet you, and I appreciate your time. Thanks, Jeff. You good health right. to you. Thanks, Don. All the best. Bye bye. Well, Drew, one of the joys of doing the show is to get to talk to these former athletes and find out what their their thoughts are of signing autographs and the the highlights of the career. And it's really interesting. One of the reasons I started the show back, way back was I always wondered what these athletes thought about signing autographs for people that they didn't know. They got they get all this mail from people they don't know, and the you know the, the, the these guys are great. They don't have to sign the autograph, but they do. They gladly sign the autograph and, and send it out back in the mail. And it's really nice that we have so many people. Uh, former athletes that, that help keep our hobby going, don't you think? It definitely is. And I mean, in a lot of cases, I think the guy's just, you know, grateful to be remembered for uh, playing a sport for so long. I mean, that's what I've just real That's what I've especially encountered with uh, writing indoor soccer players is that it's definitely a niche sport and everything, even though it was at one point challenging to be the number three or four sport in the country. But so many of those guys are just like, wow, hey, that's great. I mean, thanks for uh, thanks for the memories. Thanks for contacting me and all that. And I think that's what a lot of it is. It's like, I mean, it kind of sucks to get, you know, bugged at your home address or any or something like that. But if it's a, for a positive reason, I think most guys are totally good with it.
Yeah, and it, it's it's really. I, mean, I know you and I both love getting the mail and the interaction we have with the athletes, even if it's they answer a question for us in a in our uh, our thing, you know, our our uh, our request, or we, you know, you you love doing in person and you spend a couple minutes with these guys, which is really fun. So it makes the I think it makes the, the whole game a lot better when you have that personal relation, relationship, don't you? Yes, absolutely. All right, but I think we'll wrap this up. What do you think? Yep, I think we got everything uh, pretty well uh, well covered here. All right, guys, we love to hear from you. If you want to be on the show, you want to be a featured in Collector's Corner, uh, which we do every Saturday, or you have some questions for Drew or myself or Les or, or Clemente or, or anyone that's on the show, uh, please send us an email. Send it to ttmcast at yahoo.com. And I, Drew, I got an a email uh, yesterday from Stephen Katsoulis, who's one of our listeners, oh, yeah. and he had a question for you. And I think, Stephen, we'll, uh, uh, we will answer your questions on Saturday's show, all right? So we got, we, he, he got a, a big question for you, Drew. So I'm going to, we'll, right. we'll, we'll save it until Saturday's show, okay? Cool. Sounds good. All right, Steve, that'll, that will be on Saturday's show. Guys, and when I speak in Saturday's show, we have uh, two really fun guests. We have Scott Gardner, who is a Nolan Ryan super collector. He has more Nolan Ryan stuff than anyone we know in terms of he has uh, no-hit tickets and programs and Nolan Ryan cards and all sorts of stuff. So we're going to talk to Scott about his Nolan Ryan collection. And we have Les Wolf. Les Wolf will be joining us talking about opening day and his thoughts on the the, the new season. And we'll get all sorts of other cool stuff. Drew, just a, just a, a, a point of reference. Our, our most listened to show so far this year was when we had um, the Colin Fisk Super Collector on. That's been oh, our yeah. most recent. That's been, that's been our, our most listen show by far so the the, the pressure's on you scott scott the pressure's gonna be on you to pull some numbers for the nolan, nolan ryan super collector that will be on saturday next week next week one-on-one we'll finally have my interview with Otto Moore. we were going to do it on saturday but we had aubrey on and so i, w- I pushed it back a week so we will have Otto Moore, who played in the nba i think eight or nine years with uh, a, b- a bunch of teams gonna have Otto Moore on also i have let's see, i'm at Couple a couple of listeners at the at the Naples show, and I got two or three collectors uh, email addresses that I'm going to try to interview. Plus, two of the Hall of Famers, maybe three of the Hall of Famers that were featured on the Naples show, might be guests. I've got the I've got their email addresses, and they agreed verbally agreed to be on the show. So we got we might have some uh, Hall of Famers, NBA Hall of Famers. Also, I got a call. Drew, ready for this one? All right. Two days. Uh, what's it? I left. We left on. It was. It was the day. Day before we left. It was on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I got a call from a um, World Series MVP. That Ooh. one. That's going to be on the show. All right. All right. So I, he called me. I talked to him for a little while. We're gonna. I'm gonna call him when I get back, and uh, in Boston, and I'm gonna be on the show. Also, I talked to. Ready for this. All right. A Hall of Fame, baseball Hall of Fame um, manager. They're, they're, they're the, the guy that manages all his bookings. And nice. I'm going to, we're going to, I think we're going to book a baseball Hall of Famer on the show. That would be great. So we got a lot of cool stuff coming, guys. A lot oh, of cool good. stuff come. Tell your friends about TTM Cast and TTM Cast one on one. We got a lot of really cool guys coming. So stick around. We'll see you on Saturday, right? Many happy returns. You guys have a great couple days, and we'll see you on Saturday. Be good.